You're listening to the BCHL Podcast, the official podcast of the BCHL. Into the goal, he scores! He scores! And they just win by four! Driving to the net, he scores! From his backhand to his forehand, a shorthanded breakaway. Right in, scores! Shoots his block, third hand, Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Scores! Ozark wins it! Overtime winners! Now, here's your host, Jesse Adamson. Hey there, welcome to the BCHL Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. Well, BCHL fans, the wait is finally over. The BCHL regular season starts tomorrow. We have a slate of five games on tap. And you can catch all the action on BCHL TV. And you can find that at bchltv.ca. Another quick note before we get into the interviews. The BCHL podcast is now presented by Fortis BC. Fortis BC is a longtime partner of the BC Hockey League. And we could not be happier to have them on board the podcast. Fortis BC works with the BC Hockey League on a number of initiatives, including the Fortis BC Energy Player of the Game, awarded to one player at the conclusion of each game, along with the three stars. You can find the Fortis BC Energy Player of the Game standings on the BCHL website to keep up with who has won the most this season, and it will also be posted on the BCHL social media accounts weekly. So thanks again to Fortis BC for coming on board the BCHL podcast. To get you ready for the season, we have three great interviews today. We speak with Cranbrook Bucks defenseman Reese Bentham. We talk to the BCHL's chief medical officer, Dr. Bob McCormick. But we kick things off with a BCHL alum who made headlines last week. For those that aren't aware, the NCAA National Tournament kicked off last week, and there was a historic game between Minnesota Duluth and North Dakota. This game ended up being the longest in tournament history as it went into five overtimes where Minnesota Duluth won 3-2 early in the fifth overtime period and the game-winning goal was scored by former Salmon Arm Silverback and UMD freshman Luke Milmock. Fans of the podcast may remember we spoke with Milmock just a few weeks back, but since he scored such an important and historic goal, we did the rare thing of bringing on a guest for a second time this season. We caught up with Milmock earlier this week to talk about the goal, the historic game, and his freshman season so far. So Luke, what a game the other night. Uh, You scored the goal to send Minnesota Duluth to the Frozen Four in the fifth overtime period uh, as you guys beat North Dakota 3-2. to Uh, Take us through uh, how that goal happened. Uh, You know... I saw, you know, the shot go on the boards and um, run to my to my wing, and uh, one of the fours chipped it up when they're deep pinched, so I just grabbed it and um, came down one-on-one against Bernard Docker, and I knew I was pretty far out, and she was a good goalie, so I had to kind of disguise my shot, so I just pulled it in, fired it, and uh, saw it go in and was ecstatic from that point on. Yeah, what, what's it like for you after that happens? Is it just kind of a blackout and you just got guys jumping all over you? What's the feeling and what's, what's the <laughs> yeah, situation? It's, yeah, it's kind of a blur to me after that puck when I was just, um, last thing I remember was jumping the glass and then everyone coming to me and then after that I was just um, 
too surreal to really pinpoint what exactly happened after that. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it's safe to say that's the biggest goal you've ever scored in your career. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. For sure. Um, yeah, and just what what made it even crazier was the, the type of game it was. So for those that don't know, it was actually the longest game in NCAA tournament history. Uh, just kind of beside the fact that you were the one that scored the goal to win it, like what was it like to play in that game? It was it was really cool. I mean, you got two top teams in the nation going at it. Um, and it wasn't like it was a boring game either. I mean, we won it. Oh, there was a, we had a goal in the first overtime that, that got called back. And, um, you know, that was, that was kind of upsetting. But, you know, um, we bounced back after that. And, you know, it was just a great game, you know, back and forth, chance after chance. Um, both goalies sitting on their head. Um, and to beat a team like North Dakota, who was, you know, favorited to win the national championship this year, um, that just adds more to it. So you, you didn't have a ton of ice time in that game up until that point. Um, so what was it like being put in that type of situation, uh, in a game like that after, after sitting out for long stretches, like how do you approach that when coach taps you and tells you to get out there after quite a long break? Um, well, he, he tapped us in the fourth OT. He said, you know, be ready to go because you got guys on the bench, um, you know, cramping up and they're absolutely bagged. Um, so we kind of knew it was a matter of time before we went in. And uh, we talked in between periods after the fourth OT and we're like, listen, boys, like we got fresh legs. Um, like we know we've been sitting there for a lengthy time, but we just got to find a way to get going, um, get our legs back in it. So, while everyone was, you know, getting stretched out with the, having their legs up between periods, me and Biondi, you know, we're, we were on the bike stretching, uh, taking our skates off, doing a little jog, uh, anything to get going, just so that when coach does give us that tap on the shoulder, we were ready to go. Yeah, you mentioned players cramping up, and uh, your starting goalie actually cramped up. I believe it was in the fourth overtime, and you had to change goalies in the middle of fourth overtime. Yeah. And that combined with the the disallowed goal on the offside in uh, in the first overtime, did it kind of seem like things were were going against you there? Even though you, uh, eventually eventually you guys pulled it off, but for a while there, was it like, oh man, like what else could go wrong here? I mean, a little bit, yeah, but. Um you know, Fanti's an outstanding goal as well as stage goal. And so when he got put in, um, we knew he was going to do a job um, for us. And we chose not to get down about it, saying, oh, this is, you know, bad bounces against us. We're just like, all right, now we got to, you know, it's free hockey. We got to get to play more. <laughs> um, so just thinking about your team in general, like even though there was no champion crown last year, Minnesota Duluth is still the two time defending national champions. Um, there's still a lot of players on this current team with, with that championship experience from those two titles. What does it do for a team? And I guess the confidence of the team to have those types of players to lean on, especially in times like, like you experienced last weekend. Yeah. I mean, like you said, um, two-time defending champions and you got guys on the team um, with one or two rings and like I said last year uh, there was no championship but watching the games last year and talking to the guys um, they were they were very confident that they could have gone for three in a row last year <clears throat> and yeah looking around the locker room you know those are the guys that you look to the 
really come up every game and, you know, play their role and do that to a T. So you look at guys like Nick Sweeney, Noah Cates, uh, Kepke, Raw, Bender. Those are our top guys, and they show up every game no matter what. Now looking ahead, you guys now play UMass uh, on April 8th for a spot in the championship game. Um, obviously, they looked pretty impressive last weekend. What are you expecting out of that game? Um, a lot. I was watching some of their games. You know, they do a lot of tendencies like North Dakota where they're deep come down hard on the wall. Hard on the wall. So, um, yeah, that'll be a great matchup with the hockey's champs. Um, I mean, you don't win any conference in this in the NCAA if you're a good, if you're not a good team. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, and I think it'll be a battle. Last question for you, and I'll let you go. Uh, so this year you played in 11 games. Now you have a pair of NCAA goals to your game, or excuse me, to your name, including a record-setting winner. Uh, you're now off to the Frozen Four. How would you describe your freshman year? It's been a roller coaster, <laughs> you know, with COVID and everything, and um, games getting postponed, or a game against Michigan getting canceled, giving us a bye to uh, the regional championship. Um, you know, it's definitely not been normal um, compared to pretty much everyone else in the country besides every other freshman. But, um, you know, it's been a huge learning experience. And the time off at the beginning of the year um, gave, you know, the young guys a lot of learning time, you know, to learn from the coaches, learn from the older guys, um, really take it in and take that adjusting period um, without playing any games and, you know, just get into practice, get into the rhythm of things. Um, and learning what it is to be a college athlete. All right, Luke. Well, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're you're busy and getting ready for the games. So uh, thanks a lot. Congratulations on the big goal and uh, best of luck going forward. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Luke Milmock for joining us for the second time this year and making some time while he prepares for his Frozen Four matchup coming up on April 8th. Moving on, our next interview is with Cranbrook Bucks defenseman Reese Bentham. Bentham has been with the team since training camp, and him along with his teammates have been eagerly anticipating the start of the BCHL season, which will be the inaugural season for his Cranbrook Bucks. The Bucks are headed to Penticton this weekend, where they will set up shop for the Penticton pod, and face off against the V's and the Trail Smoke Eaters for 20 games over the next five weeks. Bentham joined us to talk about what it's been like to start fresh with an expansion team, the rivalry with the Trail Smoke Eaters, which is already underway, and his expectations for the next five weeks during the season. So, Reese, I guess first things first, I'll ask you, uh, when the news came down a couple weeks ago that the season was back on and we'd be getting a five-week season, 20 games, what was the reaction from, from you and your teammates? I think everybody was uh, really excited. Uh, it was hard waiting for the news every week, waiting for an update from the government. So when the news came down that we got to play games, uh, the mood kind of shifted and everybody became pretty excited and was just ready to go and get getting in the games. Yeah, you mentioned kind of playing the waiting game for the last few months. And uh, that's what pretty much the entire league was, was doing since everything kind of shut down again in November. So what was those last few months like for, for you guys? I know uh, you're, you're still able to get on the ice, but very limited in what you're even able to do. But uh, what was it like kind of waiting it out for the past four plus months? 
Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty hard. A lot of guys uh, just took it on themselves to do, spend a lot of time in the gym, spend a lot of time working on their skills. Since since we were limited to what we could do on the ice, guys just kind of took some uh, internal motivation and kind of worked what they could in the gym, on the ice, away from the rink, stretching. Guys were doing yoga, and so they did what they could to keep busy. But they were, we, everybody had the mindset that at some point we were going to play. So. Everybody wanted to be ready to go when the news came down. So obviously the Bucks are a new team this year. Uh, I know when, when uh, it got announced last year and then season tickets went on sale, uh, there was a, a huge push from from the local community to, to get season tickets. So I'm just wondering, uh, what's the sense uh, of what? What's your sense of what it's been like around town with fans e- eager to see some games, but um, no games going on? I know you're not really doing community visits, but do you get a sense of what the mood is like around Cranbrook? Yeah, I was I was fortunate. I got to come down here in the summer, and I uh, helped with the Bucks hockey school camp, and we were signing jerseys. There was lineups of kids wanting their sticks signed, jerseys signed, and. When we're out in restaurants before they shut down, we had people coming up to us asking us when we were going to play, when they think that they could come watch a game. People were telling us good luck. We even had somebody pay for some of the guys' meals on the team. So it, uh, it was pretty big, pretty big around town. Everybody was asking around us about us. People were wearing our masks. So I think the community really was pretty excited for us to come play. So you guys are finally going to get to play that first regular season game uh, coming up this weekend. Obviously, it's not the uh, the regular season debut that people were imagining. You're you're in a pod with with no fans in the stands, but to finally get to play that game and, and a meaningful game in a Bucks jersey, what do you think that's going to be like? I think it's going to be surreal. I think uh, the whole team basically has just been waiting to start their junior career. Now that we're all rookies, so. I think it's going to be a pretty special moment for us because everybody's been thinking about this day since they were a kid playing playing their first junior game. And I think uh, guys are ready to go. They're not nervous anymore. We've had enough practice. So now everybody just wants some action. So the Bucks got, obviously got some action in during the exhibition season. Uh, the team went three, five, and one. Uh, for, just from that stretch, um, what did you see from the team uh, in the exhibition season? Well, we, we're a little young, but we had a lot of speed and we play with structure. So I think when we were dumping pucks in and chasing them, the other teams were having a little bit of trouble with us because, you know, we, we might not be the biggest team, but we definitely outwork guys. We try and play 60 minutes when we can. So I think we took those games and we learned a lot from them. And we also li- listened to our coaches, listened to our vets, and they kind of helped us out and figured out by the time we ended the training camp, we kind of we learned a lot about what we need to do when we were going into the regular season. So you're part of the Penticton Pod, and I know you mentioned to me uh, off the mic that you be you guys will be heading there on Friday to to set up shop for the uh, the pod season. So, um, what, what do you think it's going to be like playing the same team? It's you, Penticton, and Trail. What do you think it's going to be like playing against the same two teams for 20 games? I think there's going to be a a good rivalry that's going to come out of this we've already kind of established that with trail playing them i think seven times or six times in in the fall but i think after this there's definitely going to be a big rivalry we already don't like penticton and trail we've had we've already had our experience with them so i think it's going to be good it's going to be pretty gritty fast and uh looking forward to it
Yeah, I want to follow up on Trail there. So Trail's obviously your your kind of natural geographic uh, rival in Cranbrook. Uh, you, you, you've already played them a whole bunch of times. You're going to play them even more. What do you see that rivalry kind of growing into over the years? And as the Bucks establish themselves in the BCHL, how do you see that rivalry growing? I think it's just going to get even bigger. Uh, they There's this Kootenai Cup that we do, I think, is going to be annual. So every year for training camp, we're going to see who can get the best of seven series or best of five series. And so I think that's just going to make it grow even more. And playing in this pod, I think that's going to really establish it as being one of the bigger, bigger rivalries in the BC, seeing as we're so close to them. So you mentioned earlier that that you're, uh, most of the team, including yourself, are rookies when it comes to junior hockey. But uh, you actually, you're still considered a rookie, but you do have six games of junior A experience uh, from last year when you were an affiliate with Okotoks in the Alberta League. Um, how has that experience helped you in your preparation from this season? Well, I was, I was pretty fortunate to play against a bunch of the, the high-level teams in, a, in the AJ last year, and it just taught taught me how to think under pressure and think with uh, pressure on you because the jump between midget and junior is obviously very big but it taught me that I need to think with think fast move my feet a lot more and I think it really helped me prepare for playing those games in trail earlier this year and then what's coming up in the future and after last season when it came time to decide where you wanted to play this year your first full season um, why did you end up choosing the Bucks over maybe some some other teams in Alberta or in BC? What what led you to choose Cranbrook? I, I thought the experience of being a whole new team and kind of creating creating my, their a new destiny here, uh, building a future program. I thought that was a really cool experience I could have, and I think I thought that uh, I could definitely help them out. And I thought coming here, fresh start, new coaches, everybody's rookies. It would be uh, a lot of fun, and I knew I knew the community pretty well. I've been around here my whole life, and I knew there's a there's buzz for us coming in here. So I thought I think it'd be a great experience for me. And you're you being from Alberta, did it help your decision that uh, it's obviously so close to the border there, uh, and you could potentially be pretty easy or or easier to to have family and friends come watch you play? Oh, definitely. Uh, I I have a cabin an hour away from here, so. My parents were planning on coming in when they could and come watch some home games. And if my sister was around from university, she would be able to come. So I think that was one of the decisions that also helped me was choosing a place closer to home. Family was easy to reach, easy to get to and from home. So I thought it was good. Yeah, you said you it was exciting to come in and be a part of a, a new franchise and, and build kind of a new culture there. But in general, like I know maybe you don't have the experience of, of what other BCHL teams are like, but what has, what has it been like being part of an expansion team and, and starting fresh? Like what's kind of the, the day to day for you for an expansion team compared to maybe a, a, a more established team? Um, well, I think one thing here is we all value each other's equals since we don't really have any rookies or vets, or I guess we don't have any vets. We've just kind of been, everybody's the same person. So nobody's looked, looked at higher than anybody else. And, I think that's really helped everybody throughout the team is everybody comes, works their bag off every day and we, we do it every day. And the coach has been really well, good with uh, helping us through it, getting us through our team workouts, doing D skills, doing forward skills, doing goalie skills. 
I think it's just been a, a great opportunity for everybody. So looking ahead, um, like, what do you think it'll be like next year when you're back in your home arena in Cranbrook and it might not be to start the season. I, I know people are hopeful that there'd be at least a, a limited capacity allowed, but what will it be like to get to play that first game in Cranbrook in front of the fans there? I think it's going to be a pretty special moment. I think just ha- even having this whole year where people are starting to talk about us a lot more, it's just going to generate even more plebis- plebis- publicity for us. So I definitely think once our first game gets in and we have fans in the building, it's going gonna, it's gonna to erupt. It's going to be pretty special for everybody. And I, I know there's going to be tons of kids in the, fa- in the seats. I'm going to be parents. I know billets are pretty excited to get down there. So I think it's going to be a pretty surreal moment. Last question for you. Uh, for BCHL fans that may be tuning in to watch games over the next five weeks and are curious to see the, the brand new franchise in the league, the Cranbrook Bucks, what can they expect to see from your team? Oh, you can, They can expect to see a pretty fast-paced team. Uh, you know, We don't mind getting in those dirty areas and we're going to play with speed and skill and grit. And we don't, we're not afraid to get in those other teams' face. So I think should be a pretty pretty fun to watch us all right reese thank you so much for joining me and best of luck uh in the inaugural season for the cranbrook bucks thank you thanks for having me big thanks to reese bentham for joining us i know everyone around the league is excited to see the bucks get their debut season underway That brings us to our final interview, which is with the BCHL's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Bob McCormick. Dr. McCormick was brought in over the last month or so to head up the BCHL's health and safety protocols when it comes to the 2020-21 season. Dr. McCormick has a lengthy and impressive resume, which includes work with several sports teams and organizations, including as the head doctor for the BC Lions and the Vancouver Whitecaps. We caught up with him to explore how he got involved with the league, what the health and safety protocols will look like for the season, and to briefly go over some of his career highlights over the years. So Dr. McCormick, uh, we'll we'll get into some of your your career highlights in a few minutes here, but for those who don't know, um, can you let us know what your full-time job is outside of helping uh, leagues like the BCHL and other sports organizations with their return to play? What's your full-time job right now? I'm an orthopedic surgeon uh, specializing in sports injuries, uh, working out of uh, Eagle Ridge Hospital and the Royal Columbian Hospital in uh, New Westminster. So you've been brought in by the BCHL as its chief medical officer. Uh, How did that come about? How did you get connected with uh, the league and the league office? (laughs) I think it was a a connection, uh, a friend of uh, Chris Hebbs, who was uh, a to be perfectly frank, was I think out on the links uh, playing <laughs> golf with uh, uh, Dr. Greg Chang, who's a dentist for the BC Lions. And uh, Dr. Chang has been with the Lions for a long time, and I've been the head doc for the Lions for um, uh, many years. And, um, and and Greg knew I was also working with a group called the Sports Medicine Advisory Council that's been advising national teams in a variety of sports as they are preparing for Tokyo this summer or trying to qualify for Beijing uh, Olympics six months later. And you knew I was involved in those uh, sports with um, uh, their COVID protocol. So um, when Chris said, well, the, the provincial health officers told us we need to get a, somebody involved who can advise us and as we get uh, the pods going. Um, and Greg said, well, hey, talk with 
Dr. Bob and uh, Chris Bond, and it, it, uh, happy to help. So were you involved in the planning process at all with the league when they're finalizing their plans with the provincial health office, or did you come on kind of as a result of those plans? I, I came on late. So the plans had been, the protocols had been developed by uh, the league with um, talking to the um, provincial health officer in, in, in their office. Um, then it was a matter of doing a little bit of negotiating. I came on because I said one of the requirements is to have a medical advisor. And then I came on and started dealing a little bit with the health authorities because, as you know, there's the Island Health Authority, um, there's Fraser Health and the Interior Health Authorities where the, the, the teams are going to be playing. So there need to be a little bit of interface with them to fine-tune the protocols. And and also there's been a little bit of, you know, some education pieces and, and trying to get the uh, testing organized as well to keep the players safe and, and the public safe, of course. Yeah, you mentioned testing, and I know that's one of the pieces that's uh, uh, in the agreement on, on of how uh, we're going to keep the, the teams and the, the players and the community safe. But uh, we'd be here forever if I asked you to outline the entire COVID safety plan. But um, could you maybe just give us some of the highlights on how the BCHL is planning on keeping their players and their teams safe for the next five weeks? Right. So the first part was making sure that when the teams got back together, nobody was carrying the virus. So all of the players, all the staff, the coaches had to go into a quarantine. And uh, basically they were kept isolated for 14 days, then had a negative test and the league stepped up and organized private tests. So we didn't impose on the public healthcare system. And then, uh, so we, we got those tests all back and they've been negative, which is great. And so now it's a matter of the protocols to make sure that everybody uh, physically distanced as much as they can, wearing masks when they're not actually exercising, including coaches on, on the bench, and just even changing things in, in the rules so that there's not unnecessary contact or um, that if somebody does get ill, that they're not going to reduce the chance of them spreading to somebody else, which means, you know, simple things like after scoring a goal, you can't fly by and uh, tap everybody's hands um and minimizing things like um the physical contact after the whistle that is unnecessary so there's been some little rule changes but a lot of it is just the protocols around training and what happens outside of the arena to make sure that everybody is safe and and we don't have any outbreaks uh, a big reason why the league brought you in um, on top of the fact that uh, it was mandated by the provincial health office, but the idea behind it was that you, so that you could speak doctor to doctor to the provincial health office and the, the regional health authorities as well. Um, how Have you had many interactions with uh, any of those organizations so far? I know you mentioned a few of them earlier. Uh, how's it been um, in, in interacting with them, with the BCHL? It's been good. I mean, uh, the, the provincial health has been actually very supportive. They've worked with the BCHL to come up with a, a safe plan, and they they understand the importance of it to the the athletes who are trying to get those scholarships and such, and and uh, go as far as they can in uh, playing the sport. Um, so, I've had interactions with them about fine tuning some things. Um, Probably more important has been the education of the coaches and the captains and the people who are going to be doing the testing of the athletes and the COVID compliance officers. So there's 
lots of layers of people that are going to have jobs to make sure that it's as safe as possible. Yeah, you mentioned interacting with the teams. Um, I, I know recently there was a call that you were on with coaches and captains from the 16 BCHL teams that are participating this season. Uh, what was that call like and, and why is it important for you to get to talk to those people directly and, and make sure they, they get that messaging from you uh, personally? Yeah, it was a great call. In fact, we had like 100 uh, people on the line between captains, assistant captains and coaches and I think it's critical because they have to under it, excuse me education is is important so people understand why the various processes are in place, understand the consequences if things go off track because we really you know yesterday Bonnie Henry and um, uh, the ministry created what I call a circuit breaker and you know they've really clamped down on things so we're in entering in a third wave so there's risks and we i know it can be done if you look at what's happened with the white caps what's happened with the canucks where there's been no positive cases we can do this safely but there are risks and so everybody has to do their part and an important part of that is making sure that the coaches who are leaders and the captains who are leaders know what to do and can help share that message with the rest of the team I want to switch gears here a little bit and get into a little bit of your history uh, in your career. I know you, you've been involved with different sports throughout your career. Uh, can you maybe just give us a few highlights of, of what, it's, or what you've experienced over the years working with other sports leagues and teams? Yeah, I've been really lucky. I, uh, I've been uh, head doc for the BC Lions for a while, and I have... Uh, um, Five great cup rings. Um, I, uh, I've been with the Whitecaps since before they entered the MLS as uh, one of their team docs. And uh, the, probably the thing that's been maybe the most fun has been uh, working at the Olympics. I've been the uh, head doctor for the Canadian Olympic team for the last uh, nine Olympics. And I've been to Tokyo will be my 11th games, 11th or 12th games as, a, as part of the medical team. And, and that's always fantastic fun you know i mean i've been because i'm there as a doc i get what's called an infinity pass which means i can kind of go to any sport or not quite anywhere but most places so i've been lucky enough to be at the gold medal hockey games uh in 2010 uh in sochi when our teams played so well uh, then at, in the summer games i get to get over and watch usain bolt and um Andre DeGrasse compete in the 100 meter final, you know? So it's, I've been very, if you're a sports junkie, it doesn't get any better than being able to go to the Olympics and see the best athletes in every sport competing at the, the highest level. And, and I've also been really lucky in that I've had some of my, um, the athletes that I've treated be able to come back and, you know, when, when they've come back and like won a gold medal at the Olympics, it, you really, it, it, everybody feels good, of course, but it, it, uh, I, um, it makes me feel particularly good that I've been able to help them in a small way. That that golden ticket to get to see any Olympic event—that's that's a pretty nice perk of the job, I would say. 
you know, there's a little work that goes into it, but yeah. totally lucky. <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> so um, you mentioned your work with the CFL. I know you're involved with their uh, return to play efforts as well. For those that don't know, the the entire 2020 season was canceled and they're, they're working hard to try and get back on the field in 2021. Um, I, I know you probably can't give too many details about it, but what's it been like working with a league on a national level like that uh, on a project that's as complicated as return to play during a pandemic? Yeah, it is complicated. And I will say that our, uh, uh, I was actually ironically just met with the provincial health today and the leaders from the three health authorities that we'd be involved with for that league in British Columbia. And our documents were, our return to play protocols were over 100 pages long, and they were accompanied by 30, sorry, three 30 page documents on the protocols for the Surrey practice facility for BC Place and our training camp in Kamloops. So it's um, in that, multiply that for nine teams in six different provinces. And what makes that one even a little more challenging is we're having a lot of international athletes. Probably half of the athletes in the league are American or internationals. And so we have to deal with the federal government about how to. Um, get them into the country so that they can participate in training camp. And uh, so it's, it, we, we have a group of us have been working hard. Um, I feel confident that we're going to be able to make it happen. Um, but uh, stay tuned. I mean, training camps will start in mid-May. Last question for you. Um, BCHL fans, players, families have obviously, everyone has, has been through a lot the last year or so. Um, but now now there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel here with them call, coming back to play. Uh, what, what would you like to tell fans, players, families about the effort the league is making to keep everyone safe this season to maybe um, put their minds at ease a little bit? Well, I've been involved for just a short while, but I've been very impressed about the effort that they put in to make this happen. Not only the tremendous amount of effort to to put the protocols together, uh, get the testing organized, um, but on top of everything else, it's it's very expensive. You know, the the testing has been expensive. All the various things that have been put in place to keep the team safe have all been additional costs for the league and the owners and the league itself have, have stepped up big time and I, I think it's fantastic because they obviously have a lot of passion for the, the kids that are trying to to show and get those scholarships and uh, and play the game they love so um, there's there's a good plan in place and if everybody follows the plan I'm optimistic we're gonna not have any outbreaks and uh, get um, good hockey and, uh, and achieve all our goals. All right, Dr. McCormick. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for your work with the league and we're definitely lucky to have you. So uh, appreciate your time. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much. Big thank you to Dr. Bob McCormick for joining us and giving us his insight on the health and safety protocols of the bchl during this season that does it for another episode of the bchl podcast a huge thank you to all my guests including dr mccormick reese bentham and luke milmock like i said at the top the bchl is back the five-week pod season begins tomorrow and you can catch every game on bchl tv at bchltv.ca We also have a ton of content out this week to get you prepared for the season. We have a preview of each pod. 
We have a couple other great feature articles and some more surprises planned in the coming days. Thanks again to our sponsor, Fortis BC. We appreciate you coming on board the podcast. Again, you can see the Fortis BC Energy Player of the Game standings on the BCHL website, and they will be posted weekly on the league's social media. Last but not least, thank you to our producer, Greg Ballack, for putting this thing together. And thank you to the listeners for sticking with us. Uh, We hope you enjoy the games this weekend, and we will talk to you again in one week. Thank you.